good to see you all this morning. And uh, we're in the middle of a series called Making Room for More. And uh, this week and last week, it's been a little bit of a two-parter on relationships. And uh, we're looking at relationships in a pretty broad sense. So family and friends, church, work, why they're important and how we can invest in them. And uh, Dave kicked us off so brilliantly last week. And I was trying to think of how I could summarize his talk. And uh, I think the best way to summarize it is using a Beatles song. Anyone know which song it would be? That's it. All you need is love. Absolutely. All you need is love. Should I sing it? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Okay. No, I would be tempted, but no. Anyway, but Dave looked at how the Bible values relationships, how we are created for community. We're designed for relationship. And they're important because we are designed, we are made in the image of the one relational God. And um, this is a subject that actually personally I'm quite passionate about because developing healthy relationships has been something for me which has been so life-giving. And uh, so over a number of years now, I've intentionally invested in a number of relationships where uh, it's not just banter, but I do love the banter, but you know, real deep friendships where I'm vulnerable, where I'm deeply known, where I'm loved and I'm challenged and I'm committed to them for the long haul. And so for me, I guess that's included a, a whole bunch of people. Some of them uh, are married, some of them are single, some of them are my family. But what I found is that there's been so much fruit from these relationships. You know, not only have I grown personally as a person in my relationship with Jesus, but I've seen some of the most incredible people who have stood alongside me throughout whatever season of my life. And I've tried my very best to do the same for them. And you know, I've come to realize that these strong relationships, they're not just something that are helpful, I actually need them. And I think that's true for all of us. We need deep and healthy relationships. And these kind of relationships, they'll look different for each one of us depending upon which life stage we're in and our circumstances. But however they look, we are designed for relationship. Deep and authentic relationships are vital. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've, we've zoomed in really on 1 Corinthians 13 to help us figure out, you know, how do we do these best? How do we do relationships well? And last week we looked at the first couple of verses, all you need is love. Paul was writing to the church in Corinth and relationally they're having some problems, you know, it wasn't going so smoothly. And Paul says to them, he says, in your relationships, guys, love is the key point. How well you love each other, he says, it's the only way, it's the best way, it's the only measure of how well you're doing. Not success, not your ability, it's how well you love each other. And he talks about love. The word he uses here is this word agape, which describes the way that Jesus loves us. It's an unconditional and undeserved, a sacrificial love. Love which depends on God loving us, not on how lovable we may, we may or may not be. And so he says, you, you know, you love in this way. Love like God loves. That's the big thought of the first verses in 1 Corinthians 13. And that's where we're gonna pick it up today in verse four. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you grab it out? You could use it as a fan as well. And um, just before we read it, I just wanted to say that I'm a little bit nervous about reading this because the last time I read this passage, I was at my mate's wedding and um, I was like the only Christian friend there. And um, I wanted to read it with passion and conviction. And to this day, I'm not exactly sure what happened. Um, but as I got up there, I stood in this traditional church pulpit, do you know what I mean, like up high, and um, it's quite a small wedding, and I looked out, and as I read it, I started eyeballing the bride and groom. 
I started making these long, dramatic pauses, and I started trying to make eye contact with every single person in the congregation. And um, I don't know what came over me. It was like I was reading for some sort of poetry competition or something. And um, maybe I was onto something, because some of my mates were like, afterwards, they're like, Susan, have you become like an actress or something? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, they were a bit confused when I said, in fact, I was a pastor. But jokes aside, I wanted to, to read it with passion and conviction, because I believe that these words are life-changing. And in the context of our relationships, if we take hold of them, I think they could be transformational. So I'll read it today with as much passion, but without that weird stuff, let's hope. So here goes, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. I'm tempted to do it, but I'm not going to do it. Okay, (laughs) love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Love never fails. What an incredible image of love in four verses. It's so amazing. And the question I want to ask you this morning is, how do you feel about that passage when you think about your relationships? Perhaps when you think about your marriage if you're married. Perhaps when you think about the relationships with your family, with your friends at work. Let's take it a little step further. How would you feel if you popped your name into that passage? I'll try it with me, because I'm up here. This is what it would sound like. Susie is patient. Susie is kind. Susie does not envy. She doesn't boast, although I'm an amazing Parker. Susie isn't (laughs) proud, although I am proud of that. Susie keeps no record of wrongs. Unlike some people I could mention, <laughs> she, she is not self-seeking. Those of you that know me wouldn't you agree, but you know, putting me in there, it, it starts to make me sweat a little bit, not because I'm boiling, but, but because while some of the time those things are true, they aren't always. You know, for example, am I patient in my relationships? You know, some of the times I am, but I'm an instant kind of person. I like things to happen quickly. And, and so sometimes a friend might be processing something with me and I'm thinking, could you just speed this up a little bit? Perhaps talk a little bit faster. And so instead of like being patient and hearing them out, I just cut them off and I start talking instead. Or I do something else. Or I don't know if any of you have ever done that thing where you send a text and um, you don't get a response quick enough, so you just send the question mark. Do you know what I mean? You're like, hello, <laughs> two minutes later. Not very patient, you know what I mean, right? But the truth is, you know, we don't get very far into that text until we start to feel a little bit uncomfortable. We start to feel a bit daunted. Because whilst all of us would look at that and say, yeah, they're amazing qualities to live out, relationships are hard. They take work, they're not always easy. So this morning we're gonna go through this passage together and there's three points of application which we're gonna get onto. We're gonna look at what love is, what love isn't, and what love love always will be. But before we get there, we have to understand this relationship between, this relationship, between relationship and love. Because they go together, they go hand in hand. Love is a means to relationship, and relationship is a means to love. You know, you can't separate one thing from the other. And so, if we want to be smashing our relationships, we need to understand that we love others out of the place of receiving God's love first. 
That's the first point. To love others, we love out of first receiving God's love. And the Bible is pretty clear about this. You'll be familiar with some of John's teaching. If we look at 1 John 4, it says that God himself is love. We love because he first loved us. In John 13, it says, a new commandment I give to you. Would, you, would you love each other just as I have loved you? Love each other. And the Bible tells us that God is love. And so this passage in Corinthians is, is talking about a person. It's a personable thing. And that person's name is Jesus. And if we think just for a moment about the way Jesus did relationships, the way he, uh, you know, he encountered people, he spoke to them, we're comfortable with this passage if we put his name in there. Because Jesus is kind, he is patient, he does not envy, he's the most humble person ever. It works because Jesus is the only person who perfectly loves in this way. God is love, and the secret to loving people, the secret to doing relationships well, is being loved by God. And uh, Tim Keller, he perfectly articulates what I'm trying to say here. He says this, he says this, before love is a behavior, Love is an experience. We have to be shattered by that love, captured by that love, and only then can it empower our hearts to love. And this morning, before we get onto the application of this passage, are you experiencing that kind of love on a daily basis in your life, in your walk with Jesus? You know, some of you here, you will never have known that love. Hear nothing else that Jesus longs for relationship with you. You were designed for a relationship with him. And he loves you with that unconditional, undeserved, sacrificial love. No matter who you are or what you've done, that's the truth. There'll be loads of us here who, who, who we know this love. But for some reason this morning, it, it just feels like a, a little bit of a distant thing. And I believe today as every day that the Lord wants to come and meet with us and fill us up and show us more of his love. So that's the first place we need to start, that we love out of receiving God's love first, and we need to receive it over and over again. And the amazing thing about this is that if we're Christians, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we could go back to that passage and say, the Holy Spirit inside Suze is patient. The Holy Spirit inside Suze is kind. The Holy Spirit inside Suze does not envy, does not boast, is not proud. You know, it's natural, I think, to, to look at that list of do's and don'ts and, you know, feel like we can't do it. But that's the whole point. It's, we have this incredible potential to love like Jesus in our relationships because of his presence living inside of us. And so if we want to grow in this area, which hopefully we all do, I certainly do, if we want to have the best relationships with our friends and our families, we need to allow him to challenge us, and to change us along the way and say, God, would you come and change me? Come and speak to me on some of these areas. Okay, so that's the first point. To love others, we love out of first receiving God's love. We're gonna look at what love is now. So that passage starts off, love is patient and it's kind. And I've already touched a little bit on patience, but I think this is a quality we can all, we can all relate to, can't we? Everyone can relate to, to patience. And probably the time in my life where I had to exercise patience on um, the most frequent level was when I was working in behavioural support at a local secondary school. And um, there was one incident I'll never forget, and um, I'll cut a very, very, very long story short, but I ended up in this classroom with two lads 
who I was meant to be doing like a relationship building sort of exercise with. And um, it'd be fair to say the relationship building didn't go too smoothly. And um, within five minutes, um, there was some duct tape in the room. And um, one of the lads had um, duct taped from his ankles to his hips all the way around and was pogo sticking around the room trying to climb up the walls. The other one was, um, he'd found this random keyboard. I mean, why do you put that in a classroom? Anyway, and he was pressing, you know the button on the keyboard that goes DJ, 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 over and over again. So we've got pogo stick, DJ, DJ, DJ. It was honestly a moment where I was like, is this my life? Like, <laughs> it was... It was quite a surreal moment, and obviously in that moment I had to try and respond with patience and kindness and calmness, which was difficult with the constant DJ, DJ, DJ sound in the background. Hopefully you've never found yourself in a ridiculous situation like that, but we all have times in our relationships where it's difficult. You know, that person in the office that you just find so frustrating, maybe a family member that keeps making um, the same ridiculous choices over and over again, the friend who lets us down, Children who test your patience from the minute you wake up in the morning. Some of you have had that already today. But the reality is, is that relationships aren't always easy and they require a lot of patience, no matter how much you do or you don't like that person. So it sort of begs the question, I think, you know, how do, how do we do that? And I think what's interesting in this, in this verse four is that if, if you were to look at it, what you'd see is that um, patience and kindness, they're sort of separate to the rest of those qualities. They're in their own sentence. And um, what some of the commentators think about this is they're saying this is because patience and kindness, they go hand in hand. And they sort of encompass everything else a little bit like an umbrella. And that makes sense to me, especially when you think about relationships, because if you think about it, you can't really respond with patience without then being kind. You know, think about some of the most patient people you know. Are they also the most kind. You know, they are for me, and um, I've got two friends who, who are so patient, and um, just one little example, a couple of years back, I don't know how we got onto this, because we were having a nice time, but we started talking about putting dates in the diary, and it turned into a psych, sort of character assassination of me, and uh, what they were saying, they were saying, Suze, when we put a date in the diary to meet you, we, we ink it in in our diary, it's gonna happen, we prioritize to see you. When you put the date in, you pencil it in, and then you see what else comes along, and if something else better comes along, then you'll just do that instead. And um, there was two of them on one of me, and obviously they ganged up on me, but I asked for a few examples, and there was multiple examples. And uh, to that point, I was like, well, it must actually be a case. And so what they said to me is, you know, by doing that, it makes us feel devalued. By doing that, it says, your time is more important than our time. You know, even though they were frustrated with me on a number of occasions, they were so patient and so kind in the way that they challenged me. And after eating, you know, a little bit of humble pie, I started to reform. But um, what was going on there reminds me of the verse in Proverbs. Proverbs 27:17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. There was a sharpening that was happening in the midst of the patience and kindness refining process. So patience and kindness, they go hand in hand, and in the context of our relationships, when we look at Jesus and we ask the question, well, what does kindness actually look like? You know, I think it looks different in different settings because sometimes when Jesus interacted with people, he, he gave them what, what they wanted, didn't he? Sometimes 
He challenged them. Sometimes he spoke the truth to them. And I think that's key when it comes to our relationships. You know, it doesn't always, being kind doesn't always mean we just say yes all the time. We give everybody what they want. Sometimes it does, and we reach out either emotionally or practically. But sometimes the most kind thing might actually be to shine some truth on the situation, just like that situation with my friends. But regardless of the situation, what we say and what we do, it massively matters in relationships. You know, imagine if the only words that were to come out of your mouth were words of kindness and patience. Surely that would transform our relationships, wouldn't it? And I say this to, to myself as much as I, as I do to you, but how often do we think about what we say before we say it? You know, maybe even, maybe even when we're making a joke or we're having some banter or something, how often is that at the expense of somebody else? Because I think if we're serious about wanting to grow in patience and kindness, then some of us, including myself, would do well to implement some filters. You know, an is it kind filter? An is it patient filter? Before the words come out of our mouths. Because in our relationships, don't we, don't we want to aspire for more? Don't we want to uh, be people who are building each other up rather than tearing each other down? People who are talking to each other rather than about each other. You know, if this is something you struggle with, I'm sure loads of us do, try that filter. You know, try the filter. I've done it over the last couple of weeks and it's been amazing. You know, try it, even if it means that you don't always get the last word, even if it means you're not the funniest person in the room, even if it means you don't say anything. And it's not just words, is it? It's, it's body language matters too. You know, you can say a lot with your eyes, can't you? Ever been in a situation where someone says one thing and their eyes are like rolling, they say that you know they're saying another? A couple of years back in Trent Kids, one of the, one of the kids was asked to uh, describe their leader. And, and the words they used was um, that they had kind eyes. You know, what a compliment that is. Let's cultivate relationships where we are known as people who have kind words and kind eyes because that's what we see in the person of Jesus time and time again. And it's these kind of qualities which build trust, which are the foundation of any relationship. So love is patient and it's kind. The passage goes on to say what love isn't. It says uh, in verse 4b, it does not envy, it does not, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, it does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. You know, I thought being patient and kind was sort of, you know, challenge high. This is like another level, like smacked in the face again. And we haven't got time to go to, into all of them in detail, but I do think some of these actually, they sort of overlap with each other. Because a number of these characteristics, I think they involve us almost sizing ourselves up against somebody else. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, you, you're having to look at yourself, look at somebody else and be like, how do I compare to that? Let me help explain it. You know, I look at my house and um, I think it's great until I go down to Cambridge where some of my friends have got these mansions and I walk into their house and at first I'm like, wow. And then after that, a little bit of envy creeps in. I'm like, I wish my house was like as big as your house. And before long, I find myself with these feelings of envy and resentful resentment towards them. 
You know, a year or so back, we had a first aid course here, and uh, we found out at the beginning that there was going to be a test at the end, and I was like, I am going to win this test. I'm going to get it right, and I'm going to do it as fast as possible. So that's exactly what happened. What did I do? I came out of that test boasting that I'd won. Proud that somehow I was like some first aid genius or something. Don't come to me, by the way, if you do. But, you know, I find myself in a conversation with someone who I'm finding challenging. And I compare myself to them and I think, I would never behave like that. That's outrageous. And I start to dishonor them with what I say or what I do. I, I look at somebody in my family who perhaps they have something that I would want. And rather than celebrate that with them, I start self-seeking. I start saying, yeah, what about me? It becomes about me and not about them. I think we could all list examples, if we're honest, about how this plays out in our own lives. You know, maybe you're at work and a promotion comes up. You and your friends, you, you both go for the job. Uh, and, and say you get that job. Say you get that job and you start to feel yeah, man, I'm like, I'm awesome, I've got this job. You start to puff yourself up thinking you're a little bit better. Perhaps you're a little bit more gifted than that person. Pride starts to settle in. Say you don't get that job. The other way around. You look at your mate. They've got their job. They've got that promotion. How does that make you feel? You start to envy them. You resent them. You know, either of these outcomes could destroy your relationship. You know, if we, if we read some of these things that love isn't, can you see how destructive they are in the context of relationships? They're so unattractive, and I'd go as far to say as they're, they're poisonous. They're lethal because they have the capacity to start as something that's really small and for it to fester and grow. And before long, a tiny little bit of pride has ruined a friendship. A little dose of envy has led to a deep-seated bitterness. You know, I think we kid ourselves if we think that these characteristics don't have an effect on our relationships. And this is why I think this passage is so convincing. Because it paints, doesn't it, such a clear picture of how we should do relationships. Paul is saying, you know, get rid of the pride. Stop boasting. Lose the envy and get rid of these things as soon as they start. Don't let them fester. Because love, it doesn't look like that. I love this quote which I saw on Twitter recently which massively challenged me. It says this, some of you will have seen it. Blowing out someone else's candle does not make yours shine brighter. That's a challenging quote, yeah? You know, in the Bible we're encouraged to stop sizing ourselves up against other people but instead to, to look to the person of Jesus. You know, if we want to know how to grow in this, look to Jesus, for example, because he was none of those things. He was patient and kind. He was perfectly loving, content, secure in who he was. His identity was in the right place. And the way he interacted with people was shaped by that. You know, this is challenging stuff, isn't it, this morning? You know, I've, I've been reading this passage over, over and over again over the last couple of weeks, and it's been so on my mind. It's so challenging. And I felt like this morning that the Lord was wanting to highlight some specific people to you. Some specific people and relationships in your life where he wants to reveal truth, where he wants to shine his light and bring about change. Who is that person for you? So the passage goes on to say love uh, isn't easily angered. 
That's a challenging one. It keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. And next week, uh, John is going to be speaking uh, for, for us all about forgiveness. I'd encourage you to be here for that one. And so the passage ends, which takes us on to our fourth and final point. Love always, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. You know, what an image of love. This is how Jesus does relationship with us. It's full of promise, there's no maybes in there. He offers us a love that always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and never fails. And the encouragement for us is to aspire for this in our relationships. To aspire for this, whether it seems easy or whether it seems hard, whether your relationship is in a great state or it's not. Whether we're married, and if you are, this is especially, especially relevant for you and your spouse. And also your friendships at work with your family as well. If you're single, it's important. If you're widowed, it's important. If you're divorced, it's important. It's important for all of us. This passage is for all of us. Aspire to build deep, and authentic relationships, which always protect, trust, hopes, perseveres, and never gives up. Because these sorts of relationships, you know, they're not only biblical, they're actually inspiring. You know, if you think for a minute about some people in your life where you look at their relationship and you think, that's an amazing relationship. Just have a quick think for just five seconds who they might be. Because I think undoubtedly, you'll see these characteristics shining through. You'll see a love that protects, that trusts, that hopes, that perseveres, and doesn't give up. And one little example for me would be um, my parents' marriage. So they've been married now for 38 years and going strong. And um, as any marriage, you know, they've had their fair share of ups and downs. They've had things to celebrate. But they've also had times in 38 years where it's been really, really, really hard. You know, conflict between them heartache, disappointments, times when money was tight, times when one of them was poorly and, and it looked like they might lose them. They had to cope with raising four children. Imagine what I was like as a teenager to raise. I was actually pretty good to be fair, but <laughs> I can say that they're not here, but, but, um, but you know, in their marriage, through all of that, I get a lend into their marriage because I've grown up with them. I see this love that protects, I see a love that trusts, and hopes and perseveres, and it is so attractive. It's so attractive. I see this kind of love. I've been doing Trent Youth now for so many years, but along the way, I've seen a number of parents whose child has got to the teenage years and it hasn't been easy. You know, any number of situations might go on. But in the moment where their teenager is behaving in a way that makes them the most unlovable, these parents choose to hope for more to find them the support that they need, to refuse to give up on them, to protect them at all costs, to persevere when relationally things seem impossible. You know, I think these kind of relationships, whether in marriage or friendships or families, I think they give us a little bit of a glimpse of the way Jesus loves us. And if we want to have healthy relationships, we've got to aspire for it. Just really quickly, we're, we're closing in just a few moments, but what does it look like to always protect in our relationships? I think it means like those examples and the ones you were thinking of, that we prioritize 
relationship. We prioritize time and energy to, to build these relationships. That we're present in the situation. I don't know about you, but I find this thing like a, such a distraction to whoever I'm with. I'm, I'm on the phone and I'm kind of with them. For me, it's about putting that down and saying, no, I'm here with this person right now. I'll give you my attention. I'm going to protect this relationship. It means that we're loyal. As I said earlier, we speak to each other rather than about each other. We think the best, you know, rather than jump into conclusions and thinking the worst. We're intentional about protecting those that we love. What does it look like to always trust? I think this one is about, it's about daring to be vulnerable. You know, it takes courage to be vulnerable. It takes courage to show someone the ugly sides of you as well as the attractive side. Being honest, being real. If you've got those people in your life that you can do that with, prioritize it. If you haven't, my prayer this morning would be that you would ask the Lord to highlight who is that person or people that I could start to develop those relationships with. Start to intentionally invest and the depth will come over a period of time. And this trusting thing, it works both ways. I love this quote by Brian Houston who heads up Hillsong. He says this, he says, be a locked vault when it comes to confidentiality, but an open book when it comes to accountability and transparency. I love that quote. Often I might be with some of my friends and I say, this one's in the vault. Would you keep it in the vault? They might say, back, say that back to me, but it's trust. You know, trust is the foundation of any relationship. Protect it at all costs. What does it look like to always hope? I think this one is about aspiring for more, constantly aspiring for more, not settling for where you're at, for the current state of a relationship. Constantly drawing on the Lord's strength, asking him for guidance and wisdom. And this one ties in, I think, with always perseveres. You know, true and deep and real relationships, they take perseverance. They take work, you know, healthy relationships, they don't just happen, we've got to cultivate them to be intentional. They need feeding and investing in. And the passage from this, the encouragement from this passage is to keep going, to keep going, no matter how hard it gets, to be quick to say sorry, quick to forgive, maintaining a soft heart and committing for the long haul. And the passage, it ends so beautifully. After all those characteristics of what love is and what it isn't, it ends with this, love never fails. It never fails. And this love that Paul is describing goes on and on and on whilst we're here on this earth and into eternity. It's incredible. You know, we see in the person of Jesus this relentless love, this, this agape love that is undeserved and unconditional. And this is the sort of love that we want to aspire to bring to our relationships. Because it's this sort of love that will transform our relationships if we take hold of it and allow it to. 